0: This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 367.
1: I have the culture that I deserve because it's true. Culture reflects leadership. I'm the leader. And all these things I'm mad at and wanting to blame other people for, it's not their fault. It's my fault.
0: My guest today believes if it's worth doing, it's worth doing wrong. He's also behind the Better Book Club, a simple platform where team members decide what to read, when to read, and how to read while being recognized, encouraged, and rewarded every step of the way. This is the Read to Lead podcast, and it is the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. Hi, my name is Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you want to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. I'm here to help you narrow your reading list and introduce you to some of my favorite books from my favorite authors. We're being joined today by author and entrepreneur Arnie Malham. We're going to be diving into his book, Worth Doing Wrong The Quest to Build a Culture That Rocks. I'm going to ask Arnie to share why he believes that culture is king and more important than even execution and ideas, the importance of top down core values what an employee handbook filled with dues looks like, and lots more. In short, Arnie's book is going to provide strategies for creating a culture that will help you smash business goals, achieve win-win relationships with your clients, generate buzz in your community, and cultivate a workplace that you and your employees will love. Something else I think that you and probably most of your employees will love is a book I have coming out in just a few months called Read to Lead, The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. In fact, just yesterday, I received the page proofs for the entire book and I'm going through those now. It's getting real is ultimately what I'm saying. It's really exciting and I hope you'll check it out. You can actually pre-order the book right now when you go to readtoleadpodcast.com book That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash book. Arnie Malham is an award-winning CEO, founder, eight-figure entrepreneur and best-selling author and helps progressive leaders create engaging and sustainable cultures within their organizations. He has founded and sold multiple businesses, including his most recent sale of a prominent advertising firm, producing more than 60 million in annual revenue Uh, through employing thousands of team members across three different companies. He's implemented simple yet effective methods to create remarkable and sustainable cultures. We're going to talk about a lot of things today, uh, much of it uh, book related. We'll get to that in a bit. By that, I mean what he's doing to help more people find more great books. But first, we're going to dive into his book, it came out about 2016, I believe, called Worth Doing Wrong, The Quest to Build a Culture That Rocks. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome him. Arnie, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast.
1: Hey, I am thrilled to be here, Jeff, and hang out with you. And what a you, read to lead tells my story and tells so many people's stories so well. It, what a what a great concept. Uh, I know you've been doing this a, a while and bringing great wisdom to many, and I'm just honored to be here. Well,
0: thank you for saying that. I should also uh, give a shout out to our mutual friend, Dave Delaney, who, uh, despite the fact that Arnie and I are a stone's throw from each other, we'd never met. And had it not been for Dave, we might not have ever met. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Dave Delaney. Uh, Listen, I've got to ask you first. I understand that you're a guy who enjoys the occasional cigar on the porch. And, and as a guy, well, my, great topic. As a guy myself, who especially over the last year has enjoyed a cigar on his back deck. Tell me a little bit about uh, your a love of the cigar.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll hit that with three points. One is <laughs> you can't you can't smoke a cigar in a short amount of time, right? That's it right. requires yeah. you to, to, to relax and sit down and, and so much of, of life comes at you fast and a cigar is something that, that comes at you slow. Mm. Number two is that is that because it takes a minute, when you smoke with a friend a good conversation usually ensues it's it's you know you're able to relax and absorb as opposed to being a hey how you doing hurry up got to go kind of mentality and so uh, it takes a minute it creates great conversations and you know i would argue nothing makes a sunset or a scotch better than a great cigar and so you combine those three things uh, it's become possibly an unhealthy habit for me but one that brings me great joy
0: Are you by chance a member of the uh, Holy Smokes uh, Facebook group?
1: I I am not but it sounds like I should be like I, it, that's a that's a perfect again it, it, things come at you when you you know life shows up when you need it and holy smokes may be something i need
0: you might want to want to check that out I've, I've been meeting with a group of guys uh, about every thursday night to enjoy a conversation and a good cigar until it got really really cold and we, and we meet indoors and we can't smoke indoors uh where we meet but uh once it warms up again uh, we'll be back at it i'm sure well, yeah. uh, tell me about a time when you realized, Arnie, that um, that, that culture uh, was king, even more important than things that we give a lot of importance to, typically like execution and ideas, yeah. et cetera.
1: Well, you know, like so many uh, entrepreneurs or, or, or beginning, I call them solopreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. We start our business, uh, me because I was fired. Everyone has their <laughs> own reason, right? But you start your business, and you typically say something like, I'm never going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. Mm. And and you know, business brings all kinds of challenges and 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 um, pressures. And what happens? You you turned your business into the company you don't want, as opposed to the one you do want. It's a common story. Not every story, but it's a common story. It's exactly what happened to me. I was nine years into my business. I was mad at my team, I was mad at my clients, I was mad at my industry, I was, I was mad at myself, I felt trapped, like nothing was going right. I had this darn business that I swore I'd never have looked the way I swore it would never look, <laughs> right? And so it just, what a moment. And at that time, and you know, like I said, life throws you things when you need them, you know, here, comes the, here comes the harness, um, is, is we hired John DeJulius, a, a customer service guru, John's out of Cleveland, he's one of the best there is, several books, Great speaker, great uh, consultant on customer service. And he was in talking to my clients about their culture. I was half listening, wondering, what do I need to do next? What's we were, at a, had, were having a big conference. It was, pressure was on. Mm. And he was talking about how to create a, cu- a climate of customer service, a culture of customer service. And he said these three words. He said, culture reflects leadership. Mm. And I looked up and I thought, wait, 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 that's me. <laughs> like, I'm the leader. That's the I have the culture that I deserve mm. because it's true. Culture reflects leadership. I'm the leader, and all these things I'm mad at and wanting to blame other people for. It's not their fault. It's my fault. And so those three words were the moment to where I started. Mm. To change my business into one that had the culture I was proud of became a place I even wanted to work, and uh, much less uh, the you know a couple hundred people that that helped us reach our goals. So that was the turning point. It was first I had to do it wrong in order, and you know ties up with the book worth doing wrong in order to find that place where I was willing to do it right, willing to take responsibility, willing to be the leader that I needed to be.
0: Let's take the the veil off of that firm you started for just a a second. I want to go back in time. You mentioned being fired. That was a result, correct me if I'm wrong, of some moonlighting that you were doing. That's right. Talk about what led to that moonlighting and how that then in turn led to you starting uh, CJ Advertising.
1: Well, in an an ultimate play to not blame myself for my own moonlighting, but, that when I was hired, they told me to be a great consultant. And so uh, and mm. I just went a little far uh, in that consulting. My job was to sell time, uh, TV time. I worked for WTVF News Channel 5 in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I was a sales rep. I did it for four years. And, and when I went out and sought businesses where the big mouth of TV could help them be successful, I would help them with their marketing. And sometimes I'd go a little far Yes, I got compensated for that. Yes, that was against company policy. And no, I shouldn't have been doing it. Mm. Uh, but it was it was it was me trying to be a consultant to clients that I was helping. Once that cat got out of the bag, it just it, it, there was no way I could stay. And I left. And it was ended up being, you know, a good thing for me, probably a good thing for the station as well. <laughs> and here we are. I'm unemployable, I've got a few skills, I've got a little experience. What do I do? Start a business. Why not? <laughs>
0: Love it, love it, uh, and and that business uh, you've since sold since the book came out, right? We mentioned that in the in the intro. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. In yeah. the in the blink of an eye, in only about twenty four years of of pushing that rock, <laughs> uh, uh, part of the way uphill, part of the way downhill, uh, we we were able to uh, exercise an exit, which was which was for the right reasons for everyone. And I, I'd love to tell more of that story when it's time. But mm. CJ Advertising was the company. Um, uh, we were an ad agency focused on the most unique niche. Uh, some people will start to scrowl their face at this moment when I tell them, but we were an ad agency very focused on one niche. It was lawyers, and it wasn't just lawyers. It was personal injury lawyers who happened to to brand themselves on TV. It was Yellow Pages when we started, mm. and our job was to make the firms we represented the most uh, known, and the most liked in their market. We built personal injury brands. And, and as much as you're scrowling your face right now, or, or the listeners may be saying, what kind of agency is that? Imagine trying to recruit talent into an agency like that. Yeah. And remember, I'm an inexperienced boss slash leader trying to run a company for the first time. And so we had our hands full with a niche uh, that we were trying to corral, and here we go.
0: I think there's a lot to be said about refining and niching and, and how that played a huge role in the eventual, not quite overnight success uh, of your company, yeah. but uh, eventual success. A great lesson learned there. I want to get to some more of the uh, commandments, if you will, in the book related to culture. When it comes to respecting employees, which is commandment number one, I believe, what are some of the more important yeah. ways that, that leaders can demonstrate that respect?
1: Well, the, the, you know, every business, and, and I, I'm no exception, right? I learned through this experience. We start out as solopreneurs. We start out as being really good at what we do. We're so good at it that someone's willing to pay us to do it. Mm. And then our, we try to see how much of it can we do? How good can we get at it? How much can we do? We start building structure around ourselves to help support what we do best so we can make money. Mm. And at some point, and everyone we hire it's like, okay, help me do this, help me do this, help me do this. But at some point, we have to transition to from a, from a solopreneur to an entrepreneur where we're not hiring people to help us do better work we're hiring people so they can do better work Mm. so they can reach their potential that they can end up doing the job we're doing better than we do it ourselves and Mm. and so that they can they can grow and they can shine and that ultimately For us became our ultimate way to show people respect, which was help them reach their maximum potential, which is different than them helping me reach my maximum potential, right? As a boss, I need you to help me. As a leader, my job is to help you. And ultimately, if we're all working towards the bigger goal of the company, success happens much faster. You know, momentum takes over. Mm. Uh, you, you you can't do it overnight. But if you make the transition from solopreneur to entrepreneur, from boss to leader, then, then the chance start the, the ball starts to roll downhill more than you push it uphill. That's what we learned.
0: Mm. I know it's really important to you, and it has been historically to invest. In your employees in a significant way. What do you say to a leader who worries about losing that investment when an employee might uh, say depart?
1: Well, this this is this is a quote I'll steal from from the great legends. Whoever first said it, and I can't, I don't even know if I know who, but it's: Would you rather invest in someone who leaves or not invest in someone? who stays, right? That's (laughs) Mm. the ultimate downside of not investing in your team is, is, is because you fear they may leave is that they'll actually stay. And so then you end up with a Undereducated, undertrained, undermotivated team, as opposed to let's make them the best they can possibly be, and let's create a culture that's so good they can't wait to be there. They, you know, we, we want teams that where Team members, when they come in, they know that they're trusted. They know that they're listened to. They know that their team around them likes them and respects them. They, they know that the the physical place they work. Back when we used to work in physical places before <laughs> before all this, uh, is is one that they are can't wait to get to. Like i We had a a, a large call center, 120 people, 24-7, 365, always had to have people ready to go one of the hardest areas to recruit into, and I, and I would tell everyone on day one, the last thing I want is you in your car with your hands on your steering wheel going, I don't want to go in today, mm. right? What I want is I can't wait to go see my friends. I can't wait to see what opportunity awaits. I can't wait to interact with with my team and contribute and to be a listener. Like, I want to be a part of something that's building. I don't just want to be a part of something for the sake of being a part of it. So, all the way back to your question is we our goal was to invest in our people, to create a company people were proud to work for, that looked good on their resume, and that, that whether they stayed or they left, they, they, they were an asset to our company, not a liability.
0: Mm. There's a point in the book where you express these sort of some trouble you got into, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, when you ventured out into some of these brand extensions and realized yeah. you've got a different set of core values for each one. Talk about what it means to have top-down core values and, and why, yeah. why that's so important.
1: Well, it's uh, the old do as I say, not as I do, or you know, right, or whichever the back, do as I do, not as I say. So ultimately, we as, we as bosses, as leaders, we, we can say anything, but our team, my team's followed what I did way more than you know, right, what I said. Mm. Uh, and what I found is that to say what we do and do what we say, it's, it's this dual effect, like all the positive comes, the, the habits that form, it's easier to spot outliers, everything goes on. So for us we had the agency was formed the call center was formed we had a third business called Malham Leverage Group which did the, the work for the, the the HR and the IT and the it did all this work for the two companies so I had three different companies and we went about looking for core values for each company, which means we ended up with three sets of core values. Plus, I had my own personal core values. <laughs> and, and Jeff, not only, not only could I not represent 16 core values at once, mm-hmm. which is impossible, I, I could barely remember them. Right? We were all in one building. I'd go from one, one part of the building to the other and realize, oh, that's a different value. And so one of our biggest leaps to success came when my COO, Chris Stovall, came to me and said, Arnie, this is crazy. What are your values right mm. and when once we made my values the 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 values of the entire organization, the waters calmed down and remember jeff we we didn't ask people to go home and live our my values. We just used my values were what what you used to make decisions while working. so mm. once we simplified once we could create stories, processes, programs around the values, the team really started to come together. And progress was much easier. Mm.
0: If you were to look at my job history, you would see that that I've had my share of issues with HR <laughs> over the years. <laughs> any any HR director listening right now is is going to be uh, uh, frowning a, a bit. But but that's always been one of my struggles. And and more specifically, that it seems like rules created for the masses, right, only exist because of a handful of, of perpetrators, if you will. What does a handbook fill with with do's rather than don'ts look like
1: yeah we ended up we 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 all like to say is that that every time something goes wrong or every time someone does anything wrong we create a rule for it and all of a sudden <laughs> the, everyone has to live by that rule and we end up with with a with a policy manual that has more pages than we have people like it's just it's crazy and no like i'll tell you, if you have more pages than people you might want to look at that right mm. we ended we ended. we were like every other company we ended up the same way and so we uh, rather than redo the the policy manual we just scrapped it and we came up with guidelines for the for the many as opposed to rules for the few and instead of dealing with with behavior with a rule we we just rewarded Recognized and rewarded all the good behavior and we put in programs and I can go for hours about the programs we had in place they're in the book as well mm. but we dealt with things that went wrong on a one-on-one basis the way they should be mm. right if, 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 if you do something inappropriate let's have a conversation about it and see if, if that's a, a one-time thing a habit something we need to work on something we need to think about but let's not have a rule for everybody and mm. so whether it's dress code issues or, or, or hours or when you work and things like that let's, let's just make godly Lines around that so people can adjust to, to their own needs. And the, the way I'd recommend this is that if any leader, entrepreneurial leader, starts reading their own policy manual, I would suggest you're not going to get through it. Like you're going to fall asleep, you're going to get distracted, <laughs> there's no way. Make it one where you can actually read and it might be one that your folks actually follow. Uh, the other thing we did is we took it out of the three-ring binder and we put the important parts about our guidelines on the wall right so that people could see them have easy they could take a copy of it we yeah. simplified and simplified and simplified third-grade language the words <laughs> so that they meant something and and yet there's a big legal section we just separated that and said this is the legal section it's here if you need it but we're not going to mix the good stuff with with the crazy things that we all check the box on and so right. we just made we made a set of guidelines that were easy to access you can you can look at those there they're, they're worth forward slash resources if you go to the website uh, worthdoingwrong.com, hit resources. There's a there's a set of the guidelines there which you can R&D, rip off and duplicate for your business or at least start the process of rethinking about, about rules that just aren't helping your company grow.
0: For anyone reading the book, they're going to see what's probably a very different way of going about hiring and onboarding employees. Talk about that a bit, if you would. Hiring for culture, educating for skill, that type of thing. Yeah.
1: So much of what we practiced, I realized recently when, when God bless him, Tony Shea passed away recently, mm. and I went back and watched a, a thirty minute video of some of some preaching he did ten years ago and, and I happened to have saw Tony Shea in Vegas Turd Zappo 's got the whole experience about about 10 or 12 years ago and i realized just recently how much i stole from tony (laughs) Shea, right how many how many things he was doing well so long ago and that i just began doing but you know his his big thing is we're going to hire the right people and then we're going to train them to do the right things and he had tons of methods to do that we did the same thing right Mm. the interview started even before you walked in the door like did you follow the instructions on how to get there how did you treat people on the way in how did you treat our receptionist when we had a lot of group interviews how did you treat the people around you? How did your body language look? What did you do? We were looking for people who would fit who we are. Yeah. We also created an envi- a physical environment, and, and you can you know, do the same electronically now, is if you walk into our shop, if you first get on a call with me, and you're attracted to that, then we want to do a lot of things that pull you towards us. But equally... If our place seems a little strange to you, and there's too much on the wall, and I'm, I got a little too much energy, like I do right now, <laughs> like if that pushes you away, that's great too. Attract or repel, but I don't want you to be lukewarm about it. Like I want you to, I want people that want to be there, uh, that that are attracted to the to the to the crazy we're selling, or I want them to say, hey, that's not for me, and so. That's how we, we created systems and questions, you know, a four-stage interview process, which I outline in the book, which helps people find out if they're the right fit mm. as humans mm. first. We can train the rest.
0: Mm. Well, as the, as the uh, book title uh, suggests, you know, you're a proponent of, of doing it wrong versus not doing it at all. You know, uh, don't concern yourself with failure you know, within reason. Yeah. Uh, describe that process, uh, doing it wrong until you get it right.
1: Many, many strong-willed people have a propensity to do this anyway. We just, we just have confidence that, that or that there's a confidence there that says, hey, I'll get it wrong, but then I'll get it right. Mm. The challenge is trusting other people to do that, is trusting mm. team members, people you delegate to, people that you work, to, even that you, that they're leaders in your own company. How much do you trust them to get it wrong? And so, and so we worked real hard to empower our people. It's another form of respect, right? Mm. To give them the chance to be the best they can possibly be. But that's where the magic happens. It's, it's one thing to say, I'll get it wrong, and then I'll fix it. It's another thing to say, you get it wrong, and then you fix it. That's, that's a whole different dynamic that, again, allows that ball to roll easier down the hill than up the hill. And so that's how do you do that practically, right? It's a, it's a delegation model mm. in terms of, hey, this is what I need you to do. What do you need to get there to do it? How do you, what, do you, what tools do you need to get there? Uh, And come back and and show and let's check in every week and let's see where you are. And instead of having answers, just ask more questions, Mm. Uh, have systems in place so they can learn so much. Uh, they can learn as much as they want. They can get the training they need. Like it's unlimited resources in terms of how you can become a better human, a better person, a better at your job. The only way to break that is is don't be kind to the people around you. Don't don't embrace the crazy that we're selling.
0: <laughs> well, I've got a couple of questions I want to get to that aren't directly related to your book, Arnie. Before I do that, is there anything else from your book that I haven't touched on that you want to make sure that we we take time for?
1: Well, I I would love Jeff to just borrow time to talk about the. Project that I'm passionate about right now, which mm. is Better Book Club. Uh, which is, it, Better Book Club is a concept we use within our companies to grow our people for years. And it's it's when I exited my two companies uh, back in 2017-18, I took this concept out and said I want to show it to the world. And that's when I've been that's what I've been working on for the last 18 months or so. Uh, and so the first thing about Better Book Clubs is it's not actually a book club. You know, a traditional book club the, in a company, the boss reads a the book, they love it, they go buy 20 copies, they go spread them out to their people, and they go, we're all going to read this and talk about it in three <laughs> weeks. And And unfortunately, that happens way too often, but at best, it's short-lived, and at worst, it creates resentment because a third of the people don't read it. A third of the people do, and a third of the people skim it, and everyone's mad at everybody. And no one wants to hear me talk about the book I just read for an hour. So (laughs) that concept, which we tried, did not work, and so we developed a better concept. And Mm -hmm. the concept is this. I don't care what you read. As long as you're reading, because I think I think as you believe, Jeff, when you read, it's not what you read so much as how, how you think when you read mm-hmm. and the ideas that come to you yeah. and the opportunities that, that are created in your mind. The platform allows us to recognize and reward reading at any level that makes our team members better human beings. Uh, It allows us to compare reading within the organization. It allows us to see what the most popular books are. It allows us to see who the biggest readers are. It allows us to take non-readers and help them become readers. It helps us to take medium readers and help them read more. And it helps us take our best readers and give them a showcase to show what they've read. And so if you've not checked out, if your audience could just do me a favor and check out betterbookclub.com and see if this non-book club can get more books and brains of their Mm. team than they've ever accomplished with a traditional book club.
0: And when you utilize that that site, uh, as uh, your companies have done, you have the opportunity, should you want to, uh, to reward your employees the way Arnie has rewarded many of his employees in the past, and that's pay them to read. What a, what a concept, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, what a concept. And so we you know we allowed our our teammates to to earn extra hundred bucks a quarter by reading books, and we would spend you know with the size company we were, we'd spend about ten twelve thousand dollars a year. Rewarding people to read, but it, but Jeff, it was the best money we ever spent, right? A hundred bucks to read Outliers was far better ROI than three thousand bucks to send someone to a conference where they drank away most of what they learned anyway. So <laughs> we got books and brains. It helped our people grow, which helped our company grow. Uh, if you can't grow your team, you can't grow your company. And so I'll, I'll end the commercial broadcast here, but. <laughs> Betterbookclub.com helped us. It's helping companies around the globe. Now, Australia, Mexico, Canada, throughout the U S Europe, give it a shot. Mm, love it. Well, I'd
0: love to learn more about how you became this voracious reader that you are. Talk to me about when books began to infiltrate your thinking and the way you approach life and business. Uh, has it always been a part of your DNA or was there a pivotal event that, that caused that to come along?
1: Yeah, great, great question. Because because I grew up in a small rural town, I went to an average state university. Reading was not high on my list. Like <laughs> I, it just didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't something that came to me easy. But. What I found is that is that when I did read, my mind sort of went a different place. It got it's like that moment, those shower moments when you have ideas. When you not like it, just it helped ideas formulate in my mind. And so, when I first started reading, it was slow. It was a it was like most. It was a book or two a year. Uh, which turned into a book a quarter. Which you know, my pace now is about a book a month, mm. uh, which is awesome. But everyone's different. Mm-hmm. But I kept, became addicted to how well my mind worked while reading mm. more more than any single book. Right? And I've and I've and I've like many readers that have gone through this path. We've read hundreds of books. It wasn't one thing we read. Mm. It was how our mind worked when how my mind worked when I was reading Mm -hmm. was sort of the process. And so the early days it was, I don't know how to do this, who does? And then I'm reading a book and there's the answer. Like when life, I, you know, it's, it's reverse paranoia. Many people think everyone's out to get them. I think everyone's out to help me, including the books that show up in my life. Like, oh my gosh, mm. that's what I needed to read just right now. Mm.
0: I, I so identify with that journey coming from a place where I used to hate reading, and then having that sort of fire relit uh, thanks to a former boss and Seth Godin, sort of in in cahoots with one another, though they didn't realize it. And and then that sort of reverse paranoia of not knowing how to do something, but realizing somebody has solved this problem and it's probably in a book. And if I can just find that, I can solve the problem too. I so, yeah, so agree with that.
1: And and Jeff, it's not just like, uh, you know, these books. summary companies are, I'm, I'm not knocking any of them. They all mm. serve a purpose. They serve an audience, but it's not that I need to know, you know, sometimes I need to know one thing, mm. but sometimes I just need, my brain just needs time to think. And mm. and, and by the way, I, I listen to most books. I, I read with my ears more than I read with my eyes people go oh you're not reading it's reading yes. like if you anything that allows you to absorb the material allows your brain to actively work allows you to formulate mm-hmm. new opportunities that's reading
0: i could not agree more whatever is working best for you right now i know there was a time when my only time to be able to read was Leveraging my commute, so I, I truly, you know, depended upon audiobooks, and I didn't yeah. discount that one one bit. Uh, well, this this might be difficult, especially in light of your mentioning how you read really for how it impacts your thinking versus any one book. But I'm going to ask the question anyway. If if you can answer it, is yeah. there a book or two? you've encountered over the course of your life that really sticks out as, as sort of the cream of the crop or one that maybe was pivotal or la- uh, left a lasting impression in some major way that, that comes to mind?
1: There's two answers to that. One is is that books need categories. Like there's, there's <laughs> millions of books. And right. so what, like, like I have my favorite books for, for, you know, don't be an entrepreneur unless you read these books. Don't work on marketing without reading these books. Don't mm. think about strategy without, so I have top books per category. But more importantly than that, I, I would argue that everyone remembers their first two or three books. Like your, fir- my first two or three books made a bigger impact on me than my last 20 mm. because, because mm. it's almost like it's fresh soil. Like what's going to grow out of here? And so I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like that changed how I looked at things mm. are, are all around me. When I, when I read Swim with the Sharks by Harvey McKay, it brought on a, a different kind of selling mentality than I knew before that. Right when. Mm when i read um what uh, the uh death by meeting like i never had a meeting the same way again and so it's the early books that you read and that's the gift that i wa- that i always want to give my team members mm. is i want to help them read those first two to five books that put them on a path to reading it's not mm. it's not that it's not a book i want you to read it's that i want you to develop the habit of reading because that's the gift that that, that books gave me And that's the gift I want to give to others. So it's those early books, right, that make such a difference. Uh, Seth Godin's All Marketers Are Liars. Mm -hmm. Like, I ran my agency different for 20 years because (laughs) I read that book, right? (laughs) Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Live My Life Different, Swim With the Sharks, Sold Different. Uh, Seth Godin's book, Changed How I Thought About Marketing. Huge impacts, early books, what a gift.
0: You know, it's funny, uh, you mentioned a couple of authors impacted me Right out of the gate too but with different books that they wrote. Yeah. From Seth it was Purple Cow, from Pat Lencioni it was not Death by Meeting, but it was uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. So yeah, I identify with that journey that you've had that is so so similar.
1: And, and you know Jeff, you know, Pat, which is, you know, just oh my god, like the impact that 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 his books and his company's books have had. But mm. he writes in parable form. Mm. So he writes stories. Some people love it, some people hate it. Other people write more of a textbook. Some people write more of, of their own journey. Every author has a different approach, and that's part of discovering reading as, as well. Is how do you like it best? Like, How does it sit with you? And I hate hearing stories if I read that and hated it so I didn't read it again, or I, or I read about half of it. Like, If you don't like a book, put it down. Like, Don't get trapped in the, I need to finish that before. If it's not calling you, put it down go to the next book because the goal is that a book calls you to it like you want to you want to finish that book because you it's speaking to you so I just encourage people don't get trapped in a book you don't like
0: well Arnie's book and I think you should read it is called Worth Doing Wrong The Quest to Build a Culture That Rocks Arnie thank you so much for coming on Read to Lead really appreciate it probably way overdue having you here but uh, glad we, uh, we made it happen
1: Timing's everything, Jeff. I'm thrilled to be here, thrilled to get to know you, and looking forward to uh, a cigar on the porch soon.
0: For a link to the Better Book Club, along with Arnie's great book recommendations and the other resources and links we talked about, as always, go to the show notes page created just for this episode, This time around, that's Podcast.com slash 367 for episode 367. In the coming weeks, we'll get a return visit from guest Jim Roddy. We'll also talk to Siru Bouquet. Jay Samet makes a return visit. And next week, we'll chat with author Victoria Minninger. All that and more coming up here on Read to Lead. As I mentioned at the top of the show, if you haven't already, I do hope you'll take a moment to pre-order my book coming out in late August called read to lead the simple habit that expands your influence and boosts your career it's available currently just on amazon will be available at other outlets down the road but right now you can go straight to it when you type in read to lead slash book your pre-order would mean a ton thank you so much well that's going to do it for this week i look forward to seeing you next time until then as always remember leaders read and readers lead